Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and and we're really good friends. Isn't that right, Ben? Pass. <laughs> oh, no. Um, in fact... Ben's work can be found all over the internet. Like, what kind of publications can we find your work, Ben? Sure, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. Oh, and at and ha- and, and Haggerty these days. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Haggerty. Um, and you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, Car and Driver, TechSpot, um, and Automotive News. What about Spot Tech? Not yet. Okay. But I am getting another. I'm getting uh, some credits at another tech site real soon, um, which has a very humorous name, which we'll talk about later, I guess. Is it a tasty kind of <laughs> it is sweet tasty. kind it of is, name? It is a tasty. Is it sweet is kind it of portable name. and tasty and sweet? That's right. I guess you you might as well break it. Um, Mobile Syrup is a Canadian uh, tech site, so um, I'll get some work done over there as well, which I hope so. It's funny to me. So Canada. Has for those for those who are unaware, uh, Sammy and I live in Canada, although in very different parts of Canada. And uh, Canada has no national cuisine, like none whatsoever. And but we love sauces. Yeah, so there's two things that have kind of come to, I guess, embody Canada on the national or international food scene. One of those things is maple syrup, which again is interesting because it's really only made in a couple parts of Canada. But and it can it, be made in other parts of the world too, and in the U.S. Yeah, but it's most of the world's maple syrup comes from Quebec. Yeah. And uh, parts you have of a ma- you have a maple syrup reserve. Yeah, there's a maple syrup reserve. It's also the the northeastern U.S. like upstate New York, Vermont, and parts of New Hampshire. But it's a smaller smaller contribution. Um, mm-hmm. But it's enjoyed all over Canada. Ma- maple syrup's a very Canadian thing. Maple leaf on the flag, blah blah blah. So I get that. But the other pseudo national food we have is poutine, which is mm-hmm. not at all national. It is a Quebecois food. It is from yes. Quebec straight up. If you have poutine somewhere else in Canada. I mean, it's just not authentic, which is fine. I don't care what authentic means. Enjoy your poutine wherever you're eating it. Even if it's like a McDonald's poutine, I don't care. But it's like Canada has nothing nationally. Like Canada's blessed with the in, fact and that in, – And in BC, they have the Nanaimo bars. That's which a good are the, point. I think, they're called, I think they're called millionaire shortcake or something. No. Millionaire no, no. bar, something like that. Um, something like that. But uh, that's that's another good point. But again, is it really? A f- it's not really a cuisine, right? It's like it's a regional are, thing. These are almost isolated dishes. There's no like school of Canadian food. Which what is about great. the East Coast Donaire? That's what I was going to get to. So the best oh, thing about sorry, the best thing about Canadian food yeah. is it's a country of immigrants, and so we have the best of like food from everywhere else in the world. Because right. honestly, if your food is crap, no one's going to want to eat it somewhere else. So all the food in Canada that comes from immigrant families and immigrant businesses is like the cream of the crop. It's like it's the best of whatever culture thinks they can sell in in this new home. So we have all these amazing Greek food, Middle Eastern food, Italian food, uh Japanese Korean food, Chinese food is fantastic, but none of it is Canadian. Like none of the it's fa- truly Canadian. Yeah, so I think it's the, the most Canadian food is the fact that we have no Canadian food and it's just this like tapestry of other people's food which I'm totally cool with because it's again it's the best of all possible worlds all right like you don't have to eat the you don't have to eat the food from whatever culture that your grandmother forced you to eat when you were young because (laughs) because she liked it and she liked to make it and you have to eat it it's like no it's like here's the best of that culture very true um what brought that about oh because i'm writing for mobile syrup i'm actually writing some scripts for their um upcoming web series which is very exciting um they have a lot of automotive related stories and you'll probably want to check that out sometime soon and yeah so this is an automotive related podcast for those who are tuning in for the first time and are (laughs) surprised by my digression into canadian cuisine uh it's also an international podcast in the sense that we focus on the american market as well yeah the biggest market really so why don't we get into that right now instead of continuing to digress um I want to talk about a vehicle that I drove over the past week. It's I completed the trifecta, Sammy, the EGMP trifecta. Uh, okay, which, the EGMP trifecta is it is the Hyundai Ionic Five. Oh yeah, which I drove last year, the Kia EV EV6, mm-hmm. and now I've I've got the Genesis GV60 under my belt. I've driven all three crossover SUVs based on the same general EGMP platform. 
And um, of these Very three, exciting. How does it feel? Did they did they give you like a a badge to put on your sash or something? No, it's like you know when you used to have the subway thing where they would clip your little coupon thing, and every after every. Yeah, did you have book it growing up? Maybe that's I'm too young for that. Did it have what? We had, used to have something growing up called book it, which was when you read a certain number of books, they would like give you a, a stamp, and if you collected enough stamps, you would go to Pizza Hut. That's and awesome. They give you a pizza. I did not have that growing up. I know they had that in the states. We didn't have it in Quebec. I don't think. Um, they didn't again, want you to read. I guess we're talking about food again. How did that happen? <laughs> um, Yo, but pizza—that's what like introduced me to Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut pizza, and you, you and me, we—that's our thing sometimes. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think Pizza Hut is an underrated national re- national uh, treasure in Canada. Despite the fact that there's better pizza everywhere else, Pizza Hut is its own experience, and it's kind of back on the map. Uh, anyway, what are we talking about? Genesis GV60. So this is the this is the most expensive version of the EGMP platform. It is the most, I guess, not outrageously styled, but definitely the most deliberately styled. I don't know. What, what would you say, Sammy? Because th- I think the Ionic 5 is like really sharp looking and and unlike other cars i feel like yes. the, the kia ev6 is the most standard crossover look that no that... i think i think when we're looking at ionic ionic is really um it ionic 5 has this very eight unique bit look 8 bit nintendo cartridge yeah. kind of styling ev6 much more modern very overstyled to me and then gv60 is kind of like the way the way it comes across is almost like the bmw um, X2, where it's like an aggressive, sporty-looking mm-hmm. hatchback that has maybe a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a whole bunch of. If you look especially at the rear of the vehicle, the the greenhouse kind of does this weird lightning bolt cut down and then cut back up into the hatch, and there's like extra glass where you wouldn't expect it. And the front is not busy, but definitely there's a lot going on. It's 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 not an understyled vehicle, I guess. I I think it looks pretty good. In fact, I had a lot of people comment. On how good it looked during my time with the vehicle, which does not always happen, more um, so than the other ones, the other EGMPs. Yes, yes, it's the only of the three. It's the only one where I had people speak to me about the styling. Wow! But um, me, hold on, uh, wait, 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 wait. I know why they didn't give you your your badge, your clip, your my um, paper crown. Yeah, or <laughs> your paper crown, because there's a new one coming. There's a new. They just announced that the. Not just announced, but like a, a few months ago, there's an Ionic 6 coming oh. that's running on EGMP. So why does it feel like no matter how fast I run, I can never catch up to the EGMP platform? <laughs> no, you'll never be able to. Sorry. So They're the, one ahead of you. The, I don't want to talk too much about the details of EGMP. Uh, we've talked about it a lot in the past. I will give you the basics. It is the all-electric platform from Hyundai. It is rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. It has an 800-kilowatt 800, 800 infrastructure, right, Sammy? Pardon? 800, wa- 800 volt? 800 uh, volt, excuse me. Yeah. Um, it has a <laughs> 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. You can suck down electrons at a fairly high rate of speed. It charges very, very quickly on a DC fast charger. So if you can find like a 350 kilowatt charger, you won't hit 350 kilowatts, but you'll definitely crest like 235 on a good day, which means you can fit, fill up to 80% in like 10 minutes, I think. My understanding is... It can't. I mean, I don't understand what's the. I don't. I don't know where the disconnect is. Sorry. They they say in all of their media information with a 350 kilowatt charger, the Ionic Five, Ionic Six, GV60, EV6 can go from 10 to 80 percent in 18 minutes. And we've used 350 kilowatt fast chargers. It doesn't hit 350 kilowatts. No, nothing does. Never in the real world. Is this a software thing on the car side or on the charger side, or is it a ambient temperature thing? I think that we're running into a situation where marketing materials look at the best case lab scenario for how things could work. And the real world throws up all sorts of obstacles in the way, specifically what you mentioned in terms of temperature and whatnot. Like maybe on a lab bench with like a completely controlled humidity and temperature, you'll you'll get these speeds. But in the real world, it's like zero to 60, right? Like it used to be that companies would tell you a car was faster than it actually was because traction was – Tire technology wasn't very good until maybe 10, 15 years ago. So you had all these really powerful cars that struggled to hook up and get traction. And nowadays it's the other way around. Like BMW says a car will do zero to 60 in 4.4 seconds. And, and then you get in three. Yeah, like 3.8 or something. It's like a half second fast. On and the road. On the road not on a, a cold not day. Pardon? <laughs> like on the road on a cold day on street tires. Yeah, like it's, not on a prepared surface or 
So I so think that funny. for when it comes to okay. electrical charging, we're still in that first half of the thing where companies are super optimistic and they're like, well, you know, theoretically, this is what you should be able to hit. But in the right. real world, charging stations suck. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you're just not going to you're not going to get that. But it doesn't matter because 10 minutes, 18 minutes, that's really fast for yeah. for an EV. I've had very good experiences charging all three eGMP cars um, at home or on the on the go. In both cases. In both, in both cases. cases. Uh but- the also what's worth noting about this platform, the um, on the GV60, you can get almost 250 miles of range if you stick with the base trim level. Mm-hmm. I had the premium. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, was the model I had called pre- premium or performance? It was called performance. And that one. When you ask me as if I was hanging. No, up. because I had I had it down in my notes wrong. I'm just correcting it here now. Um, oh, you keep your notes. I See, every time I start, I just close all my tabs and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Well, what I do is I keep them until after the podcast and then I eat them. So oh, yeah. Doesn't happen. I eat the little USB key. But um, so the performance version has more horsepower, considerably more horsepower, and it drops about 13 miles off of that range. So 235 miles. But what was impressive to me, Sammy, it was very cold when I was driving the car. And mm-hmm. when you're when you're, it's cold, you have less driving range. This is just how physics works. Mm-hmm. I only lost like 20%. From, That's from pretty good. I found that to be the case with so many of these um, EGMP platform vehicles is I think they manage temperature much better than some of the other um, uh, other EVs out there, right? Yeah, they're 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 very good at it. So because I think usually we can get we can see up to forty percent in terms of uh, loss of range, right? Yeah, some cars. I mean, we drove the worst one that I drove was the XC forty recharge, which was thirty to in the thirty to forty percent range. Um, yeah. It didn't have a heat pump to manage the battery, uh, and it was honestly it was quite startling. I was it was not even that cold. I want to say it was something like a few degrees below freezing, and the car just as I was driving it, the range kept getting worse and worse and worse. But anyway, mm-hmm. back to the GV60. The, I've heard I, that with the Bolt as well. No, I haven't had big problems with the Bolt. Okay. Uh, anyway, the the GV60 performance trim, advanced trim. So the advanced is the base model that has like 315 horsepower, something like that. The one I drove had 429 horsepower. That's a jump. Holy cow. Yeah, it's 100 big... and 115 horsepower. I yes. Guess. And it's also got uh, 446 pound feet of torque. But if you need more power, it has a boost button on the steering wheel that will give you 10 seconds of additional power. I call it 10 seconds in heaven after a traumatic <laughs> teenage experience. Uh, but you were only supposed to spend seven seconds in heaven. Man. I know. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, I didn't no. know, Sammy. The, no one the told name me. of the game is seven seconds in heaven. What I was so nervous. <laughs> but the, the 10 seconds in heaven in the Genesis gives you 54 more horsepower <laughs> and 70 pound-feet of torque, which is like, that's that's quite a amount. You're, you're over 500 pound-feet of torque at that point. Holy cow. And nearly 500 horsepower. So the, the car will do 60 in like 3.8 seconds. Um, holy what yeah it's i forgot about how crazy this car is that boost button also was the most bizarre button i've ever touched in a car oh yeah you better be fully committed to the bit when you push that button because all of a sudden the accelerator the accelerator is super sensitive like if a leaf were to fall on this if a leaf were to fall from the sky onto the accelerator you would be at 50 miles an hour uh it's it's incredible so it's actually a little hard it's kind of like a sport mode, but you only get it for 10 seconds. It's not just extra power. It's It changes how the vehicle acts. Really? Um, but here's here's where things get weird for me, Sammy. Sure. So there's the, the Kia EV6 and the Hyundai version, the Ionic 5. Theoretically, you would think that since they're so much cheaper, like the base model of the uh, Ionic or the Kia is like 20 grand cheaper than the GV60 base model. If you spend a little bit more with the Kia, though, you can get something called the GT Edition this year. It's brand new for 2023. It has 576 horsepower and 545 pound-feet of torque. Those numbers blow away the Genesis, and they're not related. blow it away. It's 70 more horsepower. Oh, okay. I'm I'm fine. I guess that doesn't impress you. It's actually close to 100 more horsepower. (laughs) But it, it, it also comes on with no boost button. Like, you don't need to play the boost game. You just have this yeah. power, from what I understand. There's like three drive modes, and and each of those drive modes, like econ, regular, and then sport, have their own horsepower levels. But it's like nine thousand dollars cheaper than the fastest version of the 
the GV60, Sammy. So Sorry, how much again? Like nine grand cheaper. Cheaper. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so it's a no-brainer, really, right? Well, the EVGC... The, the EVGT... EV6, oh, hold on, what's happening? <laughs> EV, EV6 GT costs like 62 grand. The performance yeah. trims GV60 is, is 70. Yeah. And it's 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 doesn't have nearly as much power. So this is one of those weird cases where there's a luxury version of the same product that is outperformed by a lesser version. What, how do you feel about that? Is that a smart strategy? No, I mean, I think I actually think that this is something that Hyundai, Kia and Genesis have a, a really big diff, like a really difficult time with um, trying to tell people to not to, to move to the Genesis brand or. Um, between Kia and Hyundai, first of all, there was really different, really difficult to find differentiation between those two brands. But they've done it um, so well with styling on these cars, these three cars, which is like, like these three yeah. cars don't look like each other at all. Right. But we used to, we, we kind of said, remember when the Stinger came out and you're like, the Stinger is pretty good. You can get a G70 as well. They were very similar in terms of performance size and and pricing. I even think, but were, the G70 was more nimble. It was lighter. It handled better. It was yeah, less of a GT kind car. of. No, it was definitely a lot. I don't think it was that significant. The difference is, I I found that I really noticed on a racetrack. I really noticed the weight difference between sure. the two cars. Um, and inside, I mean, you had the different form factor of the hatchback too, which I think made a pretty big difference. In, right, but I think. One, one was yeah. like a grand touring car, and one was kind of like a sports sedan. I guess is how I would look at it. And so now we're looking at this GT, uh, this EV6 GT. What is it called? GT, EV6 GT. EV6 GT. Holy cow, that I is know. difficult. It's tough. It's tough. Um, you're getting a far less uh, luxurious cabin, maybe fewer like gimmicks or features, because that EV, uh, the GV60 has like that rotating gear selector. Oh yeah, we're gonna get um, in, we're gonna get all into that. I think it has this 3D gauge cluster. Um, it has all sorts of weird stuff that I don't know if anyone really needs them or wants them. So are you saying you, that it's like, like the hot rod, right? Like it's it's become a Mustang GT sort of uh, offering, I guess. So that's my question to you: Is Kia going to be the performance brand, and Hyundai no. is going to be the design brand, and Genesis is going to be the luxury brand? No, I think an Ionic Five N is going to happen, or an Ionic Six oh, wow. N is going to is going to happen. I truly do believe that. I uh, Hyundai has gone. All in with this N brand. And not to say that Kia hasn't with GT, which is their their sport brand, but um I don't think I, I, I don't think Hyundai will will wait uh will will wait much longer to to reveal something like that. Okay, so that that means that Genesis has their well their their value proposition, if you want to use the word value in a luxury context, is going to be design, features, and styling. Right? Like that's and maybe service. I think I think Genesis has a service thing going for okay. them. So that's that's an interesting way to do it. It's like we're going. It's into different. The, I don't know about interesting. It's different. Well, I don't think it, I don't know if different is the word I would use because we're going into a world now where all of these EV platforms are going to be essentially the same, right? Yeah. Like, and we've talked numerous times on the podcast about how when you have one battery system and two electric motors that can give you a huge range of horsepower, what makes it better or different than other cars in your lineup or in competitive lineups? So if Genesis is looking at that and saying, you know, realistically, each of these cars could be as fast as each other. So that means the GV60 has to offer something else. Then I think that something else is going to be the experience of the car itself. And I think a lot of that is design. And when you're in the cabin, the cabin does feel very different, I think, from the Kia and the Hyundai. It feels totally unlike all of the other. And it does feel more like the other uh genesis vehicles which is a is a plus right yeah it's great it's great inside it, it's i like you know i like all three of the cars inside for different reasons some i like more than the other but mm-hmm. the genesis does feel luxurious it does so sammy was referring to the spinning globe when you get into the the gv60 at night there's this like crystalline globe on the center console that has like a pulsing remember like at, when you would go to the sharper image when you were a kid and they would have those like electric static electric generators and it was like a globe and that's put, what it should be that's not it's not that this is what that globe should be like i can't i cannot understand why it's not that well Seriously. probably because all those kids died but uh <laughs> taking a bath with the with the I mean, static electric generator that. i mean times have changed we've gotten a little bit safer i think you know what's funny is when i was in sixth grade um, I love the static electricity globe. What is that called? Tell the story. I'll figure it out. I, yeah, so when I was in sixth grade, we had to have a science project for the science fair that was coming up. And I 
my my elementary school used to be a high school in my town and there were these old like science rooms that no one used anymore and they had like you know like weird fetuses and jars and like weird equipment hanging around and in the back of one of these labs i found this like static electric electric generator and it was this big kind of like fan thing and it had brushes and you would spin it by hand and the brushes would generate static and then you could use like a piece of metal and it would arc out from the metal to the the fan from the fan and there would be like a visible electrical spark that would go through but you could like also just use your finger (laughs) and like get shocked by it and so my entire project was just like spinning this thing and shocking myself and i failed i failed that project man yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It makes so, sense. You you now see the the teacher's perspective here. Well, I mean, it, it, it helped me engage with a love of science, right? Yeah, but sure. I guess that's worth nothing to the educational system. I now found out what the name of that item is. That okay. tool is. It's called a plasma globe. Okay. And there are some there are several real hazards associated with these plasma balls. Like what? Um. Bringing conductive materials or electronic devices close to a plasma ball may cause the glass to become hot. What if I stare it right in the eye? Is that also That's hazardous? That's fine. But okay. the the radio frequency um, oh. the radio frequency field produced by plasma balls can interfere with the operation of touch touchpads used on laptop computers, cell phones, and other devices. What about uh, what about pacemakers? I don't know, but I think you're you might be onto something. Some types of plasma balls can radiate sufficient um, RFI radio frequency interference to interfere with wireless cell phones and wi-fi devices several feet or some meters away what if a plasma ball is this is why these things are no longer in classrooms anymore what if a plasma ball is floating five fifty thousand feet above the earth yes on a path over montana down through north carolina (laughs) are you trying to is that a hazard are you saying that's what was in the balloon sammy i'm not saying one thing or i'm not not saying one thing um but i am saying that you would have loved some sort of modern safe plasma ball inside the gv60 it would look really cool it still looks really cool but what's it's kind of sad because like as soon as you turn the car on it flips over and it just becomes like the shifter Mm -hmm. and it's gone and it's like you know bmw has like their weird kind of swarovski crystal shifter that we're always joking about this is kind of like the genesis equivalent of that but you only get to enjoy it like for a few minutes before you turn your car on and only at night um (laughs) but uh there's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that this car comes with i mean you got great leather uh, quilted leather on the seats, nice leather on the dash and the door panels, lots of details, which is a big Genesis thing. Mm-hmm. One thing that I dislike about luxury cars these days is just they make everything piano black plastic. And then you have a whole bunch of fingerprints and nasty dust all over the car. And it looks very boring, especially when the car is off. Genesis does not do that. You have instead uh, real materials that you can interact with that aren't going to leave a messy smear and they're nice on the eye regardless of whether the car is running. So kudos to Genesis for keeping that up, even in their EV where there's a whole bunch of pressure to look futuristic. Um, yeah. There's a couple of other features on the car that I thought were gimmicks at first, but I've come around to them. Sammy, remember we talked about facial recognition on these cars? Yes, oh no. <laughs> so the GV60 is going to be dumb, isn't it? This no, is gonna be it's, ridiculous. it's not going to be dumb. It's, it's going to be dumb. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, the the GV60 has a system where you can unlock the car with your face print. I don't like this technology because. Sorry, don't say face print. What should I say? Because you you make it sound like we're just smashing our face into the camera. Whoa, of, what, on what, the, what do you on call it? What do you call it? <laughs> recognition i don't know it's not face all right print. i'll use sammy's sanitized terminology <laughs> facial just recognition imagine just someone pressing their face against the glass and being like does it see me yet like a tarantino movie where someone's yeah. trying to steal someone else's car by mashing their face against the glass sure. yeah. so th- this th- this technology seems unnecessary to me i don't really like the idea of biometrics where biometrics don't need to exist until i took a look at things from a different perspective I, I was doing a feature on older drivers and technologies that exist in order to assist older drivers. And the fact is, older drivers really means well, the majority. you're becoming an older driver. I, I am. Me and you both together slow now, and, I guess. Slower and faster, depending on which part of my body we're referring to. But uh, boomers are getting old and they're a huge generational chunk of the population. So car companies have had, really had to think about how to serve those drivers as they age. Facial recognition is really great if you're older, you have arthritic hands, and you don't want to fumble around with a key fob in your pocket, but still want to be able to get into your car and, and fire up the ignition. I think that that's kind of an under or maybe an overlooked by me implementation of this technology. 
Sammy, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, it, when it works, these things are great. I don't know. I think that's my biggest fear about um, these seemingly simple features that are supposed to like really relieve you from having to fumble with keys or press buttons or whatever and just work like that. But I don't know. I have this phone. I'm going to throw Google under the bus now. I have this Pixel 6, and it has what is possibly the worst fingerprint reader I've ever used in my life. And I used to have the Pixel 3, and it worked all the time. But this thing, I'm telling you, never gets me on the first go. Um, and it's really, it's really frustrating. And I can imagine if any... Like, look, a, a cell phone is in your hand. You can... You know, you, you've got your, it's not like my hands are full. I've got, I'm holding it with my fingers. Sure. I can just, you know, do it. I, I know how a cell phone works. <laughs> but like, if you need this facial recognition, your hands are full or you're not looking, you know, and you have to find your key in your bag or your pockets just to open the car. I don't like all that. I, I think, you know, it needs to be like a 95% hit rate. Like it well, needs to really work. I'm going to get you excited here, Sammy, because the GV60 also has a fingerprint reader. <laughs> And I, I, everything you just said, I agree with in terms of fingerprint readers, because much as the, in, in the same way that the facial recognition is helpful if you're older, a fingerprint reader is not helpful if you're older, because it's just another thing you have to do exactly the same way every single time at the right angle, or it's not going to work properly. And if you're wearing gloves, it doesn't work either, like inside the car. It's, you have to take off your glove to use it. Yeah. It's just that, that feels a little cute to me. There's another technology that this car has. I like has. the idea. I like, I, I personally find the idea of turning on a car with a fingerprint reader to be really futuristic to me. The fact that my finger is the key in quotations and like marketing material. I think that's really cool. Like I just don't want someone chopping off my thumb to steal my car. I just don't need Very true. Yeah. We've watched so many uh, action movies where that happens. I don't need that stress. But another feature that did not work uh, when I was driving, I didn't test out those features because I'm not really into just giving away my biometrics. Um, But the... The other feature that this car has that has worked for me in the past with other Genesis models but did not work with the GV60 was the self-parking where it has a remote control on the fob that allows you to pull the car in and out while you're not inside the vehicle. Yeah. Of all vehicles, I would have thought the EV6 that sorry, the GV60 because it's electric would have been the easiest to use this feature with, but I could not get it to work whatsoever no matter what I did. And then I was trying to show it to my parents because they were into the car oh, no. and were checking it out and I just felt like a jerk. Nothing, I'm like, no, it's going to work this time. Yeah, nothing is worse than nothing trying is to show w- somebody you respect how something interesting yeah. of a car So I'm like, driving. you know, I'm Mr. Big Shot auto journalist who can't operate a key fob. So anyway. Um, did they leave you like outside to still fiddle with it while you, like everyone's like, all right, everybody. I'm let's still go out there. Now. I'm still, yeah. I'm doing this podcast from that parking lot. Uh, Genesis keeps calling me. We need the car back, Ben. I'm like, I know you need the car back, but I have, I have something to prove here. Um, um, anyway, I, I've used that feature both inside and outside the car and it's worked with me, but. Well, um, sorry, inside the car. You mean when you have full access to the pedals and the steering even, wheel? No, no. There's a way to do it where you, where if you need, if you want it to automatically park, you press the parking button. It will scan the parking spot yeah. next to you, and then it will say, "Would you like to do this remotely or w- while you're in the car?" So and then you can get out and then press the button. So that's not what I'm referring to. That's that is a feature I will never use because <laughs> I can park a car. And not only can yeah. I park a car, I can park a car more quickly than that whole rigmarole that you just described. I love the rigmarole. I and love it. The other thing, too, is I I saw someone on Reddit who had posted a comment, and they were a Tesla owner. And they said, you know, can people just have a little more patience in parking lots? Because I'm trying to use the automated parking feature, and people are behind me, and they, and it, and they start to honk and stuff. And they're like, get out of the way. And I'm like, just let me – just let the computer do its thing. It takes time. And it's like that argument is the craziest argument you can make. It's, it's this time-saving device that is inconveniencing everyone, including yourself, but you don't even realize that. The, I think were, in, in my experience, I've, I've, I, because I have a – I park in a parking garage down in a, in a – like downstairs. How and I do this. I do this. I use this feature every once in a while just to see if they work. And the most surprising one was the GLB35, which after I I selected the parking spot, it decided to drive forward into it and took like I don't know like seven like like a seven point turn to park forwards into a spot that would have been so much easier for it to do it. It reversed. It would have been just simple if it just reversed in. I and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. A few years ago, I had an XC90, 
And uh, I was parallel. I was using the automated parking in front of my house to parallel park, and it pulled itself up on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, and it left one wheel like way up on the sidewalk, and then it flashed a message: "Parking accomplished." Like, oh, yeah, dash. My, it was my, so proud. <laughs> my uh, my partner, my wife, she says that is her favorite part of the whole experience is when the car is like, "I've done it." See, check yeah, it it's out. Yeah, it's star time, <laughs> and it like makes this really accomplished like noise. Ding! Like, done. <laughs> it's done something that a human being could have done that much more quickly. But there's no joy when you finished parking, is there? I think we should all, when we're finished parking... I feel good about should, it. We should say something, like, energetic. Like, and there you go. Like, <laughs> What I do is I, I tighten my hands on the steering wheel and I exhale really slowly. <laughs> Yeah, that's my that's my little better. present to myself after I've successfully parked something. And there we go, hair. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't have much more to say about the GV60. I like it. I think it's good. It's expensive, but it's not the most expensive. Um, the iPace starts at like seventy grand, I think, which is ten more than the base uh, GV60. The Audi Q4 e-tron is a little bit cheaper. Actually, it's quite a bit cheaper. Uh, but I think that stylistically, the GV60 is kind of apart from both of those models, and it has more range than the Jaguar for sure, uh, at least real-world range, I think, and it charges faster. So it's, it, I think it's a well-positioned EV. I think it feels luxurious. I think it's different enough from its you know cousins. Um, I, I'm curious to see what happens with more Genesis electrified vehicles. Like, it, I had... As much fun driving this as I had driving any of their other SUVs, I guess. So that's that's not a bad thing. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. Why not? All right. Um, I do think it's. I, I you know sometimes I forget about that Jaguar I Pace. Everyone does. Do you think so? Do you really think so? Or are you making fun of me? No, I think everyone does. I think that I think that Jaguar as a brand doesn't have great recognition in the EV space. I don't think they have great recognition in almost any space. I mean, I, I'm an enthusiast, so I've always been aware of Jaguar. Um, I think maybe if you're a car enthusiast, Sammy, you might have been a little more into them. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the lineup is so small now. There's like what? The the F-Pace, the uh, e, F-Type. E-Pace, I-Pace. Yeah, there's the three paces and there's the F-Type. I think that's yes. it. So and that's... does this co- does this GV60 now compare price-wise to um, the BMW one that we really like? The IX. IX? IX is a much bigger vehicle. It's huge. Uh, How much I, does it cost? Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. No, I, it does not. $84,000 is how much yeah, it Yeah, it's definitely class above, so that feels okay. right. All right. That's fair. Do you want me to talk about a car? Yeah, I would love that. I mean, I think our listeners would like that too. My car is – the car that I drove recently is partially motivated by electrons. It is the 2023 Honda Accord Hybrid, which, which part? is – Which part? Which part? Uh, Which part? Part of the part of the powertrain. Okay, is partially um, powered by electrons. It features a 204 horsepower four-cylinder engine. Um, hybrid powertrain. It's a little bit more powerful than the alternative, which is a 192 horsepower turbo engine. So, if you want the more powerful Honda Accord, this is it. What did you say of, the power was? Sorry, 204 on the okay. hybrid. And then if you don't get the hybrid, you get the turbo, so which is thirteen more, thirteen more horsepower. Twelve, yeah. Okay. Which is crazy because I remember there being a V six. Uh, didn't there used to be V six Accords? Yeah. Well, I mean the original V six Accord, or at least the one that I think you're thinking of, uh, that you get as a coupe. That yeah. was a two hundred horsepower V six, I think. Only two hundred? Dang! I thought back it was in the more. day. Back in the day, I think it evolved. I don't remember what it evolved to. But I remember, I seem to remember the 200 horsepower V6 being a big deal when it happened. And I also remember there being, because this is a 1.5 liter turbo that you get with the Accord. Yeah. Um, and I remember there being a, like a 2 liter turbo back in the day as well. And that's gone as well. So now you've got this 192 horsepower engine or the hybrid motor, which I drove, uh, 204 horsepower. The, can you, can you yeah. still get a V6 Camry? Yeah. And so yes, that and that's like 306 horsepower or something. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful little car there. So has Honda just kind of seeded the the high performance commuter car space to Toyota? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's fair to say they don't care. Yeah. Can I still get a V6 Ultima? No, I don't think so. You got that VC turbo now instead. Oh, that's true, eh? Um and you have to hope that that doesn't that that stays okay. And and the Malibu 
is still on sale. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, no it way. is. What? Yes, it is. Where? Yeah. At yeah, Chevrolet.com? You're lost. Yeah. No, but I don't know if you can get anything other than the base engine. This what came... year is that? What year? What? It's a 2023? No, it's not. This isn't real. It Uh-oh. is real. Semi- All of my stories are now lost. 2075, you'll shape. still be able to buy a Malibu. Holy cow. <laughs> it is. But uh, I don't know if it's the full, like, because I get the feeling the Malibu is one of those cars that just kind of exists because it, it does so well at fleet. And they're like, let's keep it in the in the regular sale, the regular retail side too. The best part though is if you scroll down on the Malibu page, the first image says you've earned it. <laughs> and it has I'm a not sure you have of the yeah. Malibu. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to talk too bad about the Malibu. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's an okay car. It's a um, car that works. Yes, um, and I Beautiful. think that I think it's a good solution for a lot of people. But it's it's a design that hasn't changed in a long time. Uh, I'm trying to find specs on it to see if you can still get the V6 or if it's just, well, it also has a 1.5 turbo. Okay. Okay. Uh, and a CVT. I don't remember oh. that. And that seems to be standard across the board. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going through the, even the RS trim, it's a 1.5 turbo. So no, V6 is like, I guess Toyota's big thing now. Yeah, I think so. Um, TRD Camry, but back to the Accord. The Accord has received like a, a revision, like a I think they're calling it a, a next generation product. It is, it looks huge. Like like visually, it is very a long looking car. Like it really looks long. I don't know what makes it look this way. If it's just that sport back kind of um, rear, or you know the the wheelbase imp- has has lengthened. I don't think they have, but it it just feels like a larger vehicle than before. Um, and I think this is a that's an important thing to say about this car because it doesn't necessarily feel large. It it feels pretty good on the road. Um, it makes you forget, you know, we drive so many crossovers or um, SUVs, and driving a sedan can be really um, easy, like really fun and easy to drive. Um, getting in and out of a car like that, and um, just responsiveness is really excellent. I don't think it has anything to do with the powertrain or anything like that, but um, the powertrain is fine. I'm managing what is uh, it's rated to get up to 48 miles per gallon. It's a bit colder, like you said, uh, and I'm getting about 40 miles per gallon. Really great for like a midsize sedan. Yeah. Given the size of this vehicle, that's that's what you get. Um, They've also seriously changed the infotainment system. I think you're seeing this across the board with uh, Honda products. It now runs on, uh, I think, Google uh, Automotive OS. At least there's like a Google Maps feature in there as well. And there's wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Um, I had a little bit of issues getting somebody's Apple CarPlay to work in it, but we eventually figured it out. It doesn't have USB-A ports. Do you think that's weird? Because I found that to be kind of weird. See, (sighs) See everywhere. I feel like it's weird, but I think that that's just because... I've been left behind by the technology. Um, I, I honestly, I, I don't have enough C to see cables. You're going to have to invest in that because a couple this, this started happening like two or three years ago mm-hmm. where C became the new thing. And I don't think C is the new thing anymore. I think C is just the standard. And I think anyone who has a, like you and I are, are the ones who are being left behind. I have a to C, which is fine, but, which is fine. I have a ton of these cables. Like literally, I, I don't know what to do with them now, but now I have all these C to I need C to C and I only have like, two in my whole house i've got to figure this out yeah you just gotta hit up amazon but then like the thing about getting c2c cables is you have to get the ones that are data too yes exactly yes i had one that was c2c and it wasn't it wasn't data i was just a or something like that and it didn't do android auto and i was no. like lost I it's was like, this is super frustrating and they're not always advertised so that you know that which is yeah. which is also irritating oh um in terms of Performance, I found the the Accord to be a really smooth, refined, and comfortable vehicle to drive. It didn't have XM radio, which I thought was a very strange... Wait, what? Yeah, I couldn't figure out... What trim level did you have? Top Touring, it's called. So top trim level did not... Did did it not have XM capability, or was it just not subscribed, or...? There was no button for XM, so I'm going to try further over the week to figure it out. That's really weird. It is so weird. But my thought is... Okay, I have two... Two competing thoughts here. The first is there's no button because you're not subscribed to it, so they're yeah. not going to put it on the menu. That's what but, I thought. But if if you never think about subscribing, you would need that button there to let you know how Porsche puts the blank buttons to let you know you didn't <laughs> yeah. pay for those you features. Didn't pay for the the adaptive suspension or something. How like that. are you yeah. ever going to get 
this this feature unless you know that you're missing it. <laughs> yeah. So, or maybe it's an app, um, and that you have to you have to download or pay for it. I mean, there there is a there the, is. Yep. That's possible, but that's not real Sat Radio. Like they have exactly. a Sat. Maybe you do need a subscription that. for it, but. Maybe they're done with the real XM and they're just using the wireless capabilities of the car. What a world. Which would I would not enjoy. I don't think I'd really love that, would I? No. I mean, you want the real deal. You want the real satellite. Exactly. Um, the car is very spacious. It has um, um, somewhat limited headroom in the back, but the legroom is really, really good. And the materials feel really um, upscale. I, I need to say that they've really done a good job of making the Accord feel high-end. Um, and like you've earned it, like uh, like Chevrolet is trying to say you have. Like how high end can it be without satellite radio? That's very true. <laughs> I guess so. Just saying. Um, and um, the only element where I think Honda needs to sort things out is steering. Steering can be a little light at times, uh, inconsistent. I think on others, and it's a little wonky. I think that's that's the only way you would say it. And I think if you're getting a sedan and you're enjoying the aspect of how responsive they feel or how agile they might feel in comparison to an SUV and a crossover, you want maybe a little bit heavier steering or some engagement with that as well. But if that's not what you're looking for, the Honda Accord delivers. Um, I should talk to you about the pricing of this thing, though, shouldn't I? Sure. Would you, would you like to know that? I mean, I'm not in the market, but I am curious. The Honda Accord Hybrid is about um, three thousand dollars more than the than the Turbo model. So you're getting thirteen extra horsepower. Yeah. You're getting how many more miles per gallon? It's forty eight, but how much better is that than the regular one? Um, it, it the regular one averages thirty two. Well, that's a really big difference. So you're getting uh, sixteen more miles per gallon. Okay, I mean I, that's probably worth paying for. Yeah. They say um, the EPA says on a yearly cost, you're seeing um, an improvement of about five hundred and fifty dollars, which is not bad. So you need six years to to pay it off. Sure, which is longer um, than longer than your lease. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and it costs thirty. I would say with with delivering destination, we're getting this car at about thirty three, thirty four thousand dollars. I mean, it's okay. Sure, it's fine. It's like you said, there's nothing really bad about this car. It's yeah. a sedan, which is a strike against it for most people. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it, there's not really any weak spots of it, except for the missing satellite radio that I've talked about already. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and it's very like, it's very tech. Like this car is, is, is impressive to me. Um, it has a lot of the features, save for XM, that are pretty useful. Um, nice head-up displays, gorgeous digital gauge cluster, huge screen, bright screen. I just got out of that passport and I didn't realize how small the screen was in that passport till I got into this um, Accord and it just has the screen right in front of you. Um, I read so I was some, really impressed with that. I read something that said 25% of all screens on the market today are larger than 11 and a half inches. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's now, still- I think this one has uh, 10? And I think there's a gauge cluster. Oh no, maybe this one's twelve, and the gauge cluster is ten. I mean, I, I don't I don't get my my measuring stick out when I'm inside, but uh, probably should. Let me see here. Seven inch touchscreen. No, so the touchscreen is twelve, and the driver information is ten point two. That's wild. So, any any final thoughts on the Accord and what the Accord I'm, makes the table? I'm comparing it to the Camry Accord, which I'll do uh, the the Camry Hybrid, which I'll do next week, um, and I'm eager to do that because I think, I mean, these two hybrid sedans are kind of they're titans, really, um, of this industry, and the Accord, the Camry Hybrid has been along for around for a long time, has been a and Toyota has always held that hybrid sort of crown, but I'm starting to think that Honda might have it with the with the Accord Hybrid here. So uh, the, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't involve a car that we drove, but does involve cars in general. And that's a super weird news story slash press release that came out from Volkswagen this, this week. Oh, so yes. This, Please let it have bees. Is there bees or there are, honey involved? There are no bees, but there's something even weirder. I just want to point out a phenomenon in automotive journalism. Sometimes, I mean, more than sometimes, a car company will release a press release and because the content – 
engine never stops running, you have to constantly feed it with new information, right? So automotive press releases are often picked up by the news side of any automotive site. And someone will write up a small feature about that press release. And it's usually, you know, three, 400 words and it gets published and it's, it doesn't really cover any new ground. It mostly just talks about the press release, which is fine. But sometimes the press release doesn't really tell you anything. It's like a half-formed thought from the PR department of the car company. And when it gets expanded on in these news stories, it becomes even more obvious that things are a little weird. Yeah. Oh, okay, talk to me here. We, we, you're getting really abstract here. Yeah, well, that's the thing. This is a very abstract press release from Volkswagen that what? is talking about how it's going to be using... Okay, the gist of it is Volkswagen is going to use escape rooms to help it train its employees to make EVs. Except to make that's, EVs. Yes, except that's not really what it's about. That doesn't so, make sense. It I doesn't think make sense at all. Making a car is just the same as making other cars, isn't it? Well, apparently not in the escape room context. So there, there are twenty, <laughs> <laughs> there are twenty-two thousand workers in Wolfsburg. And a lot of those workers are worried they're going to lose their jobs because they're transitioning from internal combustion to uh, electric cars like the ID3. Mm-hmm. So this is specifically focused on those ID3 workers. And the gist of it is 1,200 workers are going to be put into three escape rooms. They have to, they have to solve pro- puzzles and problems in 20 minutes in three different escape rooms. And in the first room, they go back in time by learning about the invention of electric motors in the 19th century. Is this then, a reality TV show that's going to be on Netflix? What the heck not is yet. this? Then in the second room, they go to learn about the Wolfsburg plant from its inception in the late 30s to the ple- present day. And then in the third and final escape room, they get a digital preview illustrating the future of driving where we'll all inevitably have EVs. Okay. Huh? This doesn't does sound like... What does do with building... It this doesn't, is... It, is this a, like a hurrah sort of like propaganda machine for their inside for their employees none of this has anything to do with training each team oh each team will much like in traditional escape rooms each team of four will be tasked with solving problems before opening the next door they will receive video guidance from two of the company's instructors apparently they've already done this in the so-called e-motion room at two other factories this really just sounds like exactly what you said. It's like internal public relations. Hey, don't worry. You probably, asterisk, won't be losing your job. Here's how electric cars work. No one's being trained here. It's like the most misleading press release. And even if it was, if I was a, if I was a worker at any company, let alone Volkswagen, any company, and I was worried about losing my job, and they were like, hey, the escape room wouldn't come help. to wouldn't this that, escape room. Wouldn't that make you way warier? It's, yeah, for sure. Sure, I'm not going in that room. I don't know what's in there. A pink slip? Someone telling me I'm going to lose my job? That's what I think. And, like, it, the only way to keep my job is by surviving these escape rooms? I. It's odd. It's super odd. This is just one of the weirder press releases we've come across in a while. Now, Volkswagen, as far as I understand, operates in the EU. Can they... Is it, is it allowed for people to be fired for failing a an escape room? In the EU, it is well known <laughs> that if you cannot navigate an escape room with video guidance from two trainers, you are immediately eliminated from the company. And I yeah. they take your it's pension. It's a major too. loophole in the in the in the EU's uh, regulation. Bre- Brexit broke a lot of things. Yeah. And this is one of them. But yeah, they take your pension too. So that's yes. nice. Oh man. Yeah, it's I'm, a punch. I'm it's weirded a gut punch. out by all of this. I'm weirded out by I mean all of the headlines say um Volkswagen uses escape rooms to curb employee anxiety over electric cars. If you take the words anxiety and escape room and put them side by side, it is not because you have less of one of those things in the other thing. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Volkswagen is using escape rooms to prepare employees for an electric future. I don't understand. Similar headline would be like, Volkswagen shows employees extensive knife collection to quell anxiety on assembly line. Like, it's, these are not things that, it's not how it works. And then what was funnier, which was like, I was, re- I, I sent you the, a news story that was like, it said, um, in teams of four, employees need to solve riddles as they move through spaces themed on electricity um, and battery technology. Earlier this month, Ford said it's cutting 3,800 jobs. Yeah, it's like like a paragraph with no segue. Those two things just don't relate to each other, I guess. The implication is those thousands of Ford employees did not escape the escape rooms. Yes. Um, That's terrifying. And this is how... Do you think this is a... 
performance test. Do I think I need... this is the future of business? Definitely. <laughs> we just need to do escape. I mean, life is essentially one big escape room, I right? want my Volkswagen to be assembled by someone who's so terrified that their entire employment rests on their ability to, to solve problems in a 20-minute sphere in a game of essentially chance yeah. with, with, with colleagues. That's, I want that level of quality from a vehicle. Maybe, maybe we'll see, like, the next step will be, like, Volkswagen installs Earthquake Simulator to stimulate production on assembly lines. You know, it's, uh, Volkswagen love... releases Flock of Bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they've got the bees. Why not, right? They don't just make honey. They make sketchy quality cars. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, first of all, I love escape rooms. and I know um, you do. I don't know, though, if they're motivational uh, or reassuring in any way. They might be maybe, like, team building but i don't know if they would quell anyone's concerns about electric vehicle production i think that would do that would distract them from that if anything right no definitely it would even be weirder if they're like time to come into work oh you're not working today but you are going to have some fun i guess you aren't working today but here's a blindfold do i get paid for this time in the escape room oh no it's 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 definitely it's 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 halftime because you're being trained so technically it's like the company's giving you money but instead of money it's training it's knowledge (laughs) you're stealing from the company is what i'm saying yes at the end of the day huh what is what a situation so speaking of situations, uh, if you want to reach out to us, if you're in an escape room right now and you can't get out and you're worried Volkswagen's going to take your job, even though you don't work for Volkswagen, you can reach out to us in a number of ways and we can see if we can help. Um, you can find us online at, on social media. Sammy is on the cesspool that is Twitter. He is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. So if Twitter still exists as you're listening to this, you can find him there. I'm on the much friendlier Instagram. Uh, you can find me there at Hunting Benjamin, or you can email us the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com, or use the the contact form at our website, UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com. You fill it out, you click submit, and it shows up in our inbox. Um, please subscribe. Yeah, that's yeah. Do that. Uh, also, rate us at various places. Just you know, five star, ten star, fifteen star, whatever the scale is. Uh, let people know that you like the show because then other people will listen to it, and then the snowball gets bigger and bigger, and we will be so powerful that Volkswagen cannot lock us in an escape. Absolutely, this is what I need. I'm if I'm a, am anxious about our place in the pod sphere. Um, you need to you need to subscribe, like us, and all that jazz because I don't. You're right. I don't want Ben to put me in an escape room. I don't want to put Ben in an escape room. Certainly not have the temperature start to rise at any point on a constant yeah. basis until I find the window. Um, and uh, Sammy, what are you going to be? What are you? What are you going to be driving next week? The Accord Hybrid. Um, I'm also going to be spending some time in France and um, Germany trying out some Toyota and Lexus products. I'm going to be seeing their new EV, but I don't think I can talk to you about that until later in March. But yeah, if that's... something funny or interesting happens, I'll try to uh, I'll try to tell you all about Th- that's it. That's super secret. So you're going to be talking about the Toyota Camry Hybrid next week, and yeah. I'm going to be talking about another Toyota that's super weird that I drove this week called the Mirai, which is a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. I have so many thoughts about this that are kicking around in my head right now because I, I just brought it back um, and I just filled it up with hydrogen, which was an experience that I'm looking forward to discussing. Very cool. I can't wait. I've driven a few hydrogen vehicles and I can't wait to – And but the, they've always been in like a vacuum, like not literally, but in uh, in like carefully curated experiences. So I think you having it for a few days is just such a, an exciting prospect that I can't wait to hear about. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, everyone for listening. We'll talk to you later.